शिशिर जो पाओ की जाए श्री गौरी वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए गौर भक्त बृंद की जाए गौर proceedings this this morning as we have with the beautiful song of Bhaktivinoda Thakur and this in connection with honoring the passing of uh, Sriman Dulchandra Prabhu Dulchandra <laughs> to add a little humor to the, to the event Maharaj asked me if we could offer our take to uh I thought, it, uh, what he intended, I'm not sure, but I thought he was asking, would it be appropriate to offer Artik to the picture of Dulal Chandra? And I replied, you can offer Artik to a cow, which he took to mean we should offer an Artik to a cow. <laughs> so, a <laughs> little confusion there, uh, but uh, I thought it would be better, given the space and so forth, to begin in this way, which Maharaj had also suggested we sing this song and offer the Pushpanjali without the RT. But after all, Hinduism is quite a worshipful uh, culture, so there's, it's hard not to think of anything that could be worshipped with the right understanding in the panentheistic perspective of Gaudi Vaishnavism in particular. So, so today we honor the passing of Dual Chandra, Godbrother of mine, and uh, disciple of A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, our Guru Maharaj, and uh, someone that m- many of you who are listening today uh, have known, have heard his uh, discourses uh, that I encouraged him to um, <coughs> record and so forth. Some of you personally served with him um, at a time that uh, shortly after he connected with me or we, we connected together and um, some lived under his uh, auspices there at Ananda Ashram for some time. And others uh, may have known him even before um, I knew him. He's the same age as myself. He would have been 73 this year, which I'll turn in a couple of months. <coughs> and, um, well, he lived a very colorful uh, life and a colorful uh, Vaishnav light life. Before we discuss the details of that that I, I am privy to and some things about him that um, come to my mind as I reflect on his service and uh, and um, fraternity. Um, the song of Bhaktivinoda Thakur is uh, a beautiful Bengali song in which he petitions the uh, venerable Vaishnavs, um, who he describes figuratively as an ocean of grace, ocean of mercy. <coughs> Someone sent me a post of a picture of a pink beach in Indonesia. Sand was pink and the ocean was was blue, and it was very. It was very beautiful. And uh, attached to the post was the comment, maybe there are oceans of milk, because it looked rather out of the ordinary. To which I replied that oak milk is the uh, liquid affection. And there's an ocean that surrounds the island of Dweep. Have heart, because you need a lot of that to swim there, hmm, to get to arrive there. Hmm. And here, um, that ocean of affection that surrounds Bhagwan, if you will, figuratively described as an ocean of milk that can be experienced tangibly as such as well in a realm where such things are possible is extended as Bhaktivinotakwa says through the, the person of the Vaishnava. The fact the Vaishnava with regard to the Kripa, the mercy of God, the grace of God, is said to be the the 
in particularly the, the manifestation of the mercy of Bhagawan, the grace of Bhagawan. And this refers to the devotees, the Vaishnavas in this world, who have uh, experience of the suffering of others and who may have suffered themselves hmm, in the course of um, uh, receiving the grace of the Vaishnavas and as a result being able to systematically participate in sadhana, which I often describe as an effort to accrue more grace. Hmm. It's a very different type of practice than the sadhana or the spiritual practice of traditions such as jnana and yoga, which are also, which also have a, a transcendental goal in mind. They're very much effort-based. Hmm. There's quite a difference in our effort, which is as a, an effort to acquire more grace. Hmm. So they start us on that course, and as I say, such uh, siddhas who have arrived at um, their destination through sadhana have experience of the suffering of people in the world, so they're naturally uh, compassionate and empathetic towards them in, in ways that Bhagwan, being aloof from the world and never having suffered, and as such doesn't have direct experience of, um, may not be as readily able to uh, express that empathy. But he does through the agency of his sadhanas. It's not that he doesn't have compassion for the world. He knows how it works, what the problem is. He addresses it, for example, in texts like the Gita and how to resolve it. Um, but it particularly through his his Vaishnavas, through his devotees, his Kripa Shakti, hmm, then we get more than the rationale of how to deal with the problem. Hmm. We get more of an empathetic um, uh, address to our our plight. Hmm. Of course, Bhagavan Sri Chaitanya is Krishna himself in a form of a devotee, Gaur Krishna. And he is described as such, as merciful. He is Krishna in his Acharya Leela. So certainly he is as magnanimous um, as and compassionate, if you will, as Rupa Goswami says when he says, Namo Mahabhadanaya. Mahabhadanaya. Never seen someone more gracious. So this is the position of the Vaishnavas. And so we petition them for their grace. Bhaktivinoda starts here in the second uh, stanza of his song in a very practical sense. While the goal is high, and we should know what it is theoretically, be well informed about that. After all, if we were to go there, we should know where we're going. We don't want to just poke around in the dark, right? God has no face. He must be out there somewhere. Not like that, right? He has many faces for that matter. And a particular face and form that we are interested in is Gaudiya Vaishnavas, form of Swayam Bhagavan. And he lives, as they say, in, in, a, in a private island surrounded by milk and affection and loving devotees. Difficult to go to, difficult to get his attention. We should know the goal. Prem Prayojan. And we should know where we are and how to proceed from this point to there. Like I've often said, if you go into a shopping center in, in a lot of countries, you're going to have a map that says where all the stores are. So it will say, your store is here, 108 is here, and it's going to say, and you are here. You need to know both things. Hmm. So Bhaktivinoda immediately takes us to where we are. Hmm to know what we should do, what step we should take to make the next step towards our goal. He says, Chai begadomi chai dosho shodi, chai guna dehadase. He begs the Vaishnava, teach me to control my passions, my six passions, my my six faults. Bestow upon me the six qualities of devotion and the six kinds and offer unto me, give me the, the six kinds of devotional for holy association. So, very pragmatic, very practical uh, 
verse. I was asked the other day, uh, you may recall during our discussions by Shamdas in Chile, what songs to sing? Hmm? Argentina. Argent- oh, Argentina. Right, Argentina, excuse me. What songs to sing for one who is in the stage of an Ardenvritti by which he could acquire the grace of Gore and Itinanda? Well, here, this is a song to acquire the grace of the Vaishnavas who are th- through whom we know about Gore and Itinanda. Hmm. Without Gore Das Pandit, well, it's questionable there would be any deities of Gore and Itinanda. Hmm. He, the Subal Saka of Gore Lila, who was asked by Mahabharu to craft the deities of himself and Nityananda Prabhu and begin this worship. Hmm. So this is a nice song for that purpose. Bhaktivinoda goes on and says that Ekaki Amalahi Pai Bolo I don't find it alone, I don't find the strength hmm, to carry on with the Sankirtan of the holy name of Hari. So bless me by giving me some faith a drop of faith, which I contain the great treasure of Krishna Nam. It said that Nam is given by Nityananda Prabhu hmm, for the price of one's faith. Bhaktivinoda talk about another nice song in this regard, the marketplace of the holy name, describing how Nityananda Prabhu has set up a shop there. He's selling the holy name hmm, for the price of one's faith. Not much in one sense, but in another sense, your faith is what you are. As the Gita says, Shadhoyam Purushaha. A person is their faith. Hmm? We want to acquire a faith in Vaishnavism hmm? that may that that may that our person may be identified with that as a unit, personified form of such faith in the world that serves as a beacon of light uh, to others. Hmm? With that faith and that faith alone, then we're qualified to tread the path of Namsan Kirtan. He says, concluding words then, Bhaktivinoda Krishna is yours and you have the power to give him to me. So I'm running behind you shouting Krishna, Krishna. Thakur Bhaktivinoda ki jai, Vaishnav Thakur ki jai. So, with that, let me say a few words about Dulal Chandra. Um, I met him later in his life, um, and um, we had many uh, intimate conversations together. And in some of those conversations, he uh, uh, revealed to me about his earlier life, aspects of his earlier life, that were very, very colorful, <laughs> very, very, uh, uh, you would be glued to the chair to hear them, um, and they much involved the the uh, awkward circumstances that uh, he uh, found himself in in an effort to pursue the beautiful ideal of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. It reminds me of the idea that sometimes devotees ask about tolerance. Tolerance is a quality that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is not really asked us to culture but mandated it of us. When he said Trinada Pisunichna Torora Pisahishnu like a tree, Torora Pisahishnu, be tolerant. Even if people cut you down, you can give them shade while they're doing so. Hmm. Um, however, it is also said that one should um, create, if you will, a favorable environment for one's practice. After having departed from my Guru Maharaj's formal mission, ISKCON, for reasons most of you are aware of and we don't need to go into, some years later I met a godbrother who told me that, you know, you should come back to ISKCON because there's a lot that you, you, you could grow in tolerance. I said, I said, I've got enough to tolerate in the circumstances that I've created that are favorable for my practice. I don't have to go someplace to find it. It finds me. Right. The need to tolerate finds us wherever we are. So we should, the two, both mandates are there. Create a favorable place for your practice. So don't, don't let this idea of tolerance 
Don't abuse the idea by misunderstanding it and think that you have to keep yourself in a place that's not favorable for your practice. So do Lal Chandra by force of circumstance, like many of us, um, have uh, found ourselves in less than ideal circumstances that don't sound exactly like the circumstances in which the Goswamis were doing their bhajan and and uh, uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and his associates were relishing Namsan Kirtan. Of course, we were part of a mission created by Prabhupada, which was an extension of the mission of Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasati Thakur, which was envisioned, if you will, by Bhakti Vinod Thakur in terms of his desire to have a systematic way to propagate Gaudiya Vaishnavism and make it known, um, bring it onto the stage of the world's uh, religions that it might be objectively uh, considered hmm, in terms of its theological insights and he had confidence if he could get it on that stage that it would shine very brightly. Hmm. And uh, we're still trying to do that we 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 have to some extent again through the formation of a of a systematic mission that uh that, that uh, under the auspices of bhakti siddhanta sarasvati thakur son and uh successor in all respects of uh bhakti bhakti vinod thakur um and then the extension of that that went worldwide in the form of my guru Maharaj's, uh mission these uh, missions were dynamic in their um, um, scope, uh, in, in, in terms of their intention, and um, certainly facilitated many uh, devotees to come within the fold of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. But in the words of Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati Thakur himself, who was perhaps the first person to form a formal, hard, so to speak, uh, uh, institution. There was a soft form of the institutionalization of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, of course, that occurred through the pen of the Goswamis, who took the ecstasy of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that I've compared to a waterfall that is just stunning, difficult to approach. Hmm? But out of the waterfall of his ecstasy, they turned it into a lake that you could approach, drink from, bathe in, take advantage of it by by locating that ecstasy, if you will, and there's no religious figure in the world who uh, serves as a better example of, of of a life of ecstasy in in love of God hmm, than Sri Chaitanya. That's an objective fact. There are other ecstatic persons in the history, across culturally, uh, of, of the religious world, the world of mystics, but Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's Ecstasy is uh, is of another order altogether, and these Goswamis, the founding charges, if you will, of the Sambadaya, they, they they located that ecstasy on the map of the sacred texts, hmm, and made it understandable to us to some extent, attractive, approachable hmm, by their example and their teachings and so on. So this is kind of a soft form of institutionalizing and bringing people then within the fold but a, a more hard form of a institution, I, I perhaps, um, as I say in the history of the Vaishnavism, Gaudiya Vaishnavism, Bhakti Siddhanta was the first to, to do that, and then to take it around the world, as my Guru Maharaj did, Pujapachita Maharaj used to like to say, the idea came in Bhakti Vinod, Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasitaka gave shape to it, and Bhakti Vedanta Swami Prabhupada took it all over, over the world. And I would add, Pujasrita Padrita Marsh causes to reflect back on it. <laughs> what were its pluses and what were its minuses? <laughs> because, as Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasati Thakur himself said, the former, if you will, of the original such institution reflected on there's a bright side to it, there's an upside to it, and there can be a downside to it as well. <laughs> and so, some of the downside of that uh, was uh, Dulal Chandra experienced in 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 good measure, hmm? and the stories were 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 um, electrifying 
if you will, disconcerting at some extent, but electrifying, there was the person sitting before you who had weathered the storm, <laughs> uh, uh, extreme storms. He was uh, had joined the fledgling uh, 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 satellite, if you will, known as New Vrindavan in its beginning days. And uh, from there, I think he joined, what was that called, the rock star? I forget now. Traveling, I forget the name of it. With a bus and actors and musicians traveling around, as as young people would do in those days anyway, um, and putting to music and drama and whatnot. Uh, The road show, I think it was called, the traveling road show. Vishnu John Swami uh, leading the leading the troop, if you will, um, which something that Prabhupada reined in at a certain point and said, "I think we should close that down, <laughs> that sector." Um, and, uh, and and then uh, a, a resident of uh, a rural community in West Virginia. Hmm. Um, which, over the decades, came to be prominent, and in some ways that you wouldn't want to hear about. Uh, and Dulal Chandra was there for all of it. He was the accountant, hmm. uh, right in the, the center of it all. But he he, he um, 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 served in that capacity with with great uh, uh, integrity. Hmm more than um, some of the leading figures which led to the infamy of that particular um, uh, project, if you will. I mean, it still goes on today and, uh, and they've, they've all passed through that and it's reconfigured and so on and so forth. But it, it had its heyday, if you will, and, 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 um, and, um, and there were some very difficult uh, and awkward Situations that he persevered through. To hear him speak about that was always inspiring to me. I mean, I knew about it. I was in the mission of Prabhupada as well. I wasn't. I was on the other coast, if you will, in California. Um, I had visited there once or or twice, but uh, he he lived through it all, and it's quite a story. So to hear him tell that, like a survivor, you know, it was uh, it was uh, riveting and uh, inspiring. And I just mentioned this to you because, again. We all find ourselves to one extent or another, we may, in such circumstances, and we have to see, th- see through them, if you will, and, um, and try to create a favorable situation for ourselves, for our practice. We have that freedom. That freedom is given to us. Actually, we're charged to do that. So we should know that. Hmm? Um, we, don't, we shouldn't always look just to be told what to do. We should, we should, we should learn to think. Hmm? The guru tells us what to th- wh- Tells us what what to think in a very rudimentary sense in the beginning, but more than that, he teaches us or she teaches us how to think about what to think, the how to think about it. That's going to take us from the kanishta neophyte orientation, the generous idea of a prakrita bhakta, a material devotee, of just like an oxymoron. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but Vaishnavas have. have um, in Bhagavatam has invoked this term, prakrita bhakta. How can it, how can it be at bhakta <laughs> and be material? Well, we, we find ourselves in in, a, in, in, a, in, a, in such a situation and we need to grow beyond it hmm? from a neophyte um, orientation to an intermediate orientation where things are no longer black and white. They're gray, but it, but the grayness is comforting. It's, it's, it, it makes for a broader understanding of the depth of what I'm involved in hmm? and how verses have different meanings and there's more than one right one and so on and so forth. Um, so it's for thinking people, actually. Hmm? Prabhupada often said he wanted to create uh, independent, what was his term? Independent? Independently minded. Hmm? Independently thoughtful hmm? persons. So keep that independence in mind <laughs> and uh, 
learn how to use it properly, right? That'll be beautiful. Someone wrote me today and said, I was given the opportunity, I don't know the person, but a devotee said, I was given the opportunity to teach a class of bhakti, about bhakti in a Wiccan school here. Do you think I should do it? I said, well, use your common sense, you know. If you, it, it, it could be good. Hmm. Uh, you know, I just <laughs> so then he wrote back and said, the thing is that they want to pay me for it. <laughs> and he, he said, so his mind is spinning. I said, just send me the money. <laughs> <laughs> he went on and I just couldn't reply any further. This is for thinking people. Hmm. You have to have a little common sense. Hmm. You have to be like, Columbus or Alexander the Great. You have to cut that knot, you know, with a little bit of common sense. That's not very common, right? Mm. So Lulao Chandra had some common sense. <laughs> he managed to get through it all, mm. if you will. And when I, um, and, and during that period, he, he married one of those, you know, early marriages of those times, and uh, he fathered a son. His wife couldn't hang on <laughs> or uh, see her way through to the finish of uh, of Gaudi Vaishnavism in the way that he did so they separated and and so his son was uh, uh, raised differently hmm? we'll come back to that because it's a be- has a beautiful full circle that it uh, it comes to but um, but when when I met him um, at that time, I had been visiting uh, some devotees in North Carolina, uh, requested as I was by um, um, Karnamrita, whom I mentioned yesterday, a godbrother of mine that passed in recent times as well, husband of Archon City, who's often the moderator for the Sunday uh, uh, Zoom talks that we have. Mm-hmm. And um, he we would listen to my talks or read things that I had written, and uh, and he reached out to me and invited me to come. I, so I came that time. He were living in, in Baltimore. I'd come once a year for a few days and talk. And I was able to capture Archon City's faith as well, which was comforting to to uh, to uh, Karnamrita, whose faith I already had, if you will. And at some point they moved to North Carolina. Hmm which was an interesting uh, development there. And um, Dulal Chandra had been part of the development where they lived. His service was connected with the Bhaktivedanta Archive, which is a, was set up to preserve Prabhupada's writing, its tapes, lectures, and so on and so forth. He was a participant in that. But by the time that I came there, um, there was some disagreement hmm, uh, amongst all those involved, few, in that particular project, and Dulal Chandra, and at that time, his wife, Bhakti Rasa, who's still his wife, um, second wife, um, were living in in, a, in a, another town, not maybe a couple hours from that, what was called Prabhupada village. You couldn't have named the place worse, or wrong, more wrong. It was so far from a Prabhupada village that when I came there, I somebody went and stuffed all the mailboxes with propaganda against me. Hmm. That no one would come to Argent City and Karnamrita's house and hear from me. Hmm. This was the climate. <laughs> Some came, nonetheless, with their cautions and with their neurosis and their, and their uh, understanding of, of what it meant, uh, what, what Prabhupada's teachings were, were all about and so forth, which by the grace of good association through Puchapatrita Marj and others in my life, I had I had grown, as I said, to understand a little better. Prabhupada took it around the world, and Sridhar Marj caused us to think about it, what it really was, hmm? what, what what the institution was for, what was its purpose, what's the, what's the goal, hmm? to think deeply about it, about all those things he said that your Guru Marj put into your heart hmm? and didn't let you think. Hmm? Stopped your mind, which he did. Prabhupada stopped us from thinking without trying. He just stunned us. He said things. We just believed whatever he said. It didn't matter what he said. He had completely frozen our minds, if you will, and entered our hearts and then come up and made us think, try to 
logically support you know whatever he said to the extent that we felt we had to which wasn't wasn't very much <laughs> so um he said those things that he's put in your heart now you have to reflect on them now you have to find him in his apparent absence what is the meaning of all those uh things that he shared with you in depth and so on and so forth so um he had asked me, Pujapad Sridharmarsh, to do relief work, by which he meant, with a pained heart, um, minister to those who have come to Gaudiya Vaishnavism through the very broad, extensive campaign of your Guru Maharaj, Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, whom he affectionately referred to as Swami Maharaj. Hmm? Do relief work for those who have come through that campaign that are losing sight of what it's about for any number of reasons, one of them being the shortcomings that inevitably inevitably may arise in an institution. As I've already, as I've been been addressing. Um, So, many of you are here (laughs) we're in need of relief practically all of my students in some form or or another and uh, so this is my uh, uh, I'm getting closer now to do law in in my life I want to just relate a little bit of the history as it comes to me I wasn't there yet Um, he was just nearby and he used to to live there and have service there Hmm. Um, but while I was welcome at the house of of Archant City and um, Karnamrita, other houses were a little suspicious, cautious. Some of them would come. Mahara would come hmm, with all of her questions. Gordon Ryan's beautiful mother, who I love so much, she was a she was a book distributor in uh, in, in Gaudi in uh, in Prabhupada's movement. When I first went to New York. I used to, I was serving in Los Angeles and they, I was asked to go to New York to inspire the devotees about book distribution. This is a long time ago. <laughs> this was like 40, 50 years ago. And um, the temple was in Brooklyn at that time. So some of the devotees in New York, they were a little bit like, hey, we're from New York. You know, you're coming from L.A. and you're going to teach us. I didn't really have that. I was asked to go there, so, you know, I went. And uh, I was greeted at the door with that spirit by Gorhari, a god brother of mine, nice enough fellow, uh, very nice fellow. But um, they immediately set up like a competition amongst Jadurani and the big district. Uh, what was her name? Um, Mahara, of course, and um, Daiva Shakti and Budimantu. You don't know these, but some of some people who are listening maybe have been around for a long time and know some of these names so uh, I bring them into the picture and so we were all sent out to different places to distribute and of course the New York devotees were all supposed to like outshine me in numbers of books sold and so forth um, and I was at the Port Authority which was a which is a bus depot and then I was sent to LaGuardia Airport it was at LaGuardia Airport that I saw um, Mahara selling books and there was something different about her 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 and Daiva Shakti also uh, but uh, she stood out a little bit more to me and I, I just had some regard for her and her efforts and so forth in subsequent years as New Vrindavan developed and she became a member there and became a collector I used to follow a little bit how's Mahara doing because mm, she was a collector and they would post what she collected and so on and so forth I just had a natural kind of uh, Connection with her that she didn't she didn't realize or know about. I never had the chance to voice it until many years later, until till the, these years. Um, but anyway, I won. <laughs> I out distributed everybody at, at, at the time, whatever. Um, but Mahara in North Carolina, she would come um, and question and wonder, and then ask further questions of Arjun City and Karnamrita, and they would. He's, he, he actually is following Prabhupada. You know, he says it a little different. He uses a different vocabulary. But and this is the teaching. And you might have thought it was like this earlier. They very much helped her and so forth. And 
And so gradually some people from the community they came. In fact, one of the beautiful things that happened is that they were trying to build a temple in Prabhupada village, and it was like more like the hat you know, the Hatfields and the McCoys, it's an old saying, like from Appalachian Mountains, that each party, families got shotguns and they're warring with one another over, you know, whatever. Um, so there was a constant warring over over philosophy. The arguments of, on each side weren't really even philosophical <laughs> uh, in, in any in any real uh, depth. Certainly wouldn't interest the philosopher. Um, and and they had a temple that they were trying to build, but they they couldn't get it together, you know, enough to cooperate and agree to build the temple. And so the deities that had been purchased for the temple, they were relocated temporarily in the house of Archon City. Hmm. So the, 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 the deities came to Archon City's house, and that's where I was <laughs> was residing and, and, and giving talks. You know, I was coming for over the years a, a few times, you know, every year at least once, maybe twice. I used to chuckle and think. They wouldn't let me go to the temple that wasn't built yet. I was not allowed to go there, but the deities for the temple came to the house that, Vaishnav house that hosted me. <laughs> but they couldn't put the, do the math. <laughs> I pointed it out a couple of times, but they Many, but gradually, we had some. We were able to um, help the devotees do relief work. At a certain point, Mahara started bringing her son, Gorin Orion, who kind of picked up on my talks and used to uh, relate them back to some extent to his father and say, "You know, he's he's hard to listen to, but if you pay attention, he, he's got something to say there." Mr. Sain, godbrother of mine, um, Mahara's husband. So through this group at any rate, of devotees in this area of North Carolina, I was introduced to the fact that Dulal Chandra, who previously served for the archives there at this so-called Prabhupada village, was living in Winston-Salem, I think it's a couple hours away, and that he had programs there every now and then, and um, would like to invite me. I, I don't know if he came to any of the programs that I gave, in uh, the Prabhupada village, but he had, and his wife, Bhakti Rasa, always like a, the, in the, was in their DNA, if you will, to invite Vaishnavas. Now I bring this up because this is the kind of samskar that we want. The last thing we want is a samskar for keeping Vaishnavas away. Hmm? That I found in that Prabhupada village, as I've explained. Hmm? A samskar for doubting them. We look at the life of Prabhupada. Hmm? how he explains his own childhood under the care of his loving father. What does he say about his father? His father had a samskar for hosting Vaishnavas to a fault. Hmm? Anything that moved and pretended to be a sadhu, he would invite them to the house hmm? Hmm? and feed them and so forth. And Of course, they didn't have much to say. Well, okay, anyway, we tried. Hmm? And Prabhupada saw many of those. Anyway, we tried. And he started to doubt, are there any real Vaishnavas in the world? This is the philosophy of my father and, and the family that I come in hmm, from the Saptagram community. Well, it was particularly blessed by Nityananda Prabhu. Some say Nityananda Prabhu came to the world to deliver that community. Prabhupada was part of that community that overflowed when the British took over Calcutta, into Calcutta, and, and half the population was from the, the, the Sil or, or the, the Mullik family, Day family is a division of that. Prabhupada was a member of the Day family. Big group of Nityananda Prabhu's followers. Hmm. But where are the real sadhus? Of course, when he met Bhakti Siddhanta at the urging of a friend, then he had an epiphany, he had a different experience. But his father, the point is, had this default, invite the Vaishnavas, invite the Vaishnavas. So I found this default valuable hmm, in 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 uh, and Srimandulal Chandra and his good wife Bhakti Rasa, hmm, who invited me, they took a chance, invite a sadhu. Hmm. And um, they, at the time they had a business that was like a, 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 like a new age shop or something where they sold crystals and things that other people thought were spiritual and so forth. And they made a living through that. And they, but they connected with people also who were sympathetic, uh, 
to spiritual Eastern spirituality, and then they, at least at least monthly they would host a, a program. Hmm. And I was quite amazed by their house. It was set up really pr- and primarily, as, as I could understand it, for those programs. Hmm. It was a little too, I think, a t- little two-bedroom house. Um, and the upstairs of the bedroom was very small. And then the big the downstairs, and it was like set up for that. And Bhakti Rasa, with her uh, enthusiasm, brought beautiful deities. I'd never seen a deity more beautiful, a Radharani more, more beautiful deity than the in the Radharani of uh, Radha of Madhava that uh, that um, um, she invited and, and who agreed and came there and had a beautiful um, I, I say um, throne for them hmm. carved throne and so forth it was it was uh, quite uh, stunning to me and they kind of would have a full house at, at least at least once a month and aside from that Dulal Chandra was giving Bhagavad Gita classes weekly, maybe like every Wednesday night, and he had a small community of people, probably coming from that larger community, some people who became more interested, and he was teaching them Bhagavad Gita. So I was very inspired by that setup, far more than than the than the um, the uh, you know pseudo quote unquote Prabhupada village, which is say which was very poorly named, um, and. I went and was well received and uh, invited again, um, and gradually then I got to know Nulal Chandra and and Bhakti Rasa and their beautiful daughter, um, Bhakti Rasa's daughter actually from another marriage, who became my disciple Shamsaki. Some of you may know her. Hmm? And very early on, I came to find out that Dulal had a vision to expand what he was doing. Hmm? Basically, to have some type of a community that uh, you know could do what he was doing on a larger scale and so forth, and I thought that was a, a good idea. I had similar idea myself, and so forth. And I shared that with him and Bhakti Rasa, and um, in due course, well, with their help, um, we and help of some others, we acquired a property that would facilitate that. Hmm? And um, very beautiful property in a different part of North Carolina, three, four, some hour, hours away. And well, we had a property, but how to develop it and the personnel and so forth. The vision was qu- required a lot to develop it. Um, and uh, you know, I'm a small person myself, and hardly, you know, an organizer <laughs> or a manager. Although Bhakti Ross is a very good manager, and Dulal is a good. Uh, a, a very good accountant. Uh, so it was a, they were good uh, part of the picture, if you will, but they lived four or five hours away. So they contacted me and said, would you like us to relocate? I said, well, you know, I thought to myself, they're going to sell their house? They're gonna, they'd have to sell their business? Hmm? And they're asking me, should we stay where we are? Hmm? And with the money that we make, hmm? They had previous, previously they had been giving 50% of their income to print Prabhupada's books to the book fund. Now they wanted to give that donation to myself and the vision that you know we shared uh, and so forth. So they asked, should we move or should we just stay here and then send the money? And I thought, I said, well, there's nobody here now. If you're here, we'll at least have a base, hmm. something. So they moved. They sold their business. They sold their house. I was, I was... I was inspired by that example. Hmm. And the house that they bought, we named it Ananda Ashram, and they turned it into an ashram. Now, you have to think what that means. Hmm. You're 70, you know, let's say, years old, and uh, Dr. Ross, of course, is, 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 is younger. not sure her age, but um, they, their children, uh, each from different marriages, were already grown and out of the house and so on and so forth. And they're going to turn there. And they had a nice house, their own peace of mind, and they were doing preaching. It was all set up. It was successful. And now they're going to turn their house into an ashram. Hmm. Well, <laughs> that's a, uh, quite a quite a sacrifice to do, uh, especially when uh, ashrams in the West they tend to have a lot of tryouts. You know, in the in the door and out the back door and <laughs> 
you, you start to build something based on these young men and women have joined, and the next thing these young men are getting together and going somewhere else. It happens, so it's hard to hard to build uh, with that type of, type of a base. Um, and you know, we went through our ups and downs, but we spent many, many, many days, especially Bhakti Rasa and I, planning and thinking and, um, about what we would do if we had the funds and the people and so on and so forth. And and Dulal was always there, waiting for well, we'll see where the funds come, you know. Meanwhile, this is what the books say right here, <laughs> and so forth. It was a very, very beautiful times. But anyway, I, this is where I got to know Dulal, and I, I would go there. Uh, I think originally I went there for like a month, twice a year, in the spring and the fall, and I was doing that regularly. And devotees from other parts of North Carolina would come when I was there, and so forth. We would have festivals. They, they organized all those festivals. Many devotees were introduced to Krishna consciousness, and many devotees were... Um, or new people were interested. And many, many devotees were were uh, helped, hmm, nourished. They were they were given relief work that Puja Patrita Marsh had asked me to do. Hmm, with the through my preaching and extended help, I received from Dulal and 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 Bhakti Rasa. Hmm. Dulal had a very um, a very uh, stable. A spiritual life in terms of his sadhana. He never let anything get in the way of that. Hmm? And uh, this was something that was very um, um, inspiring. Hmm? The way he did that was to create a space for himself hmm? where there would be uh, the least possibility of distractions. So every night at 8 o'clock he would read for an hour when everything had settled down. Hmm? And I think this was a practice that he carried with him from his previous location in the other part of North Carolina. But in this situation, it was even more um, required, if you will. There was plenty of uh, opportunities for distractions, problems happening. Uh-oh, broke this broke, got to fix that, and so on and so forth. So 8 o'clock at night, things would settle down. He would read for one hour, and then he would take rest. Then he would wake up at, f- at 1 in the morning. Hmm? And from... One to three, he would he would chant his sixteen rounds of japa hmm, without fail, paying uh, full attention, and then he would, uh, uh, I think, from three to five, he would read hmm, again, and then from five to six thirty, he would listen to one of my classes, which he was very tra- attracted to, very charmed. He very much liked my style of presentation, as you know, most of you may know, um, the carryover of that was that he created the site, Shabda Brahman, where all my talks are, and they're well organized, and, and so on and so forth, that has uh, a lot of people go to and, and take advantage of those thousands of talks. There must be two or three thousand of them on there. Mm-hmm. So he organized that. He was very, very, and also on Apple, you know, whatever it's called, um, iTunes ma- made them available and and so forth. Hmm? One of his services for the for the community of Godias and the public in, in, in general. Uh, then uh, then at uh, six thirty he would take a six thirty or uh, hmm? yeah he would take a nap till say eight thirty something like that. Then his day would day would start. Hmm? So he had a very powerful uh, and um, undistracted space that he afforded himself on a daily basis without fail hmm, um, to uh, absorb himself in the sudden and prepare for you know what the day might bring that could be uh, distracting or uh, require his attention and, and energy which um, he gave attention and energy to you know many things that were going on at the time. So his schedule, his life, if you will, as 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 a, as a sadhaka. Well, I started out. You know, he told me the stories, electrifying stories of the circumstances that he found himself in that were really unconducive to practice, hmm? really conducive for being distracted and thinking, what am I, what am I doing here? So he he <laughs> he. Uh, uh, gravitated towards what I underscored earlier, creating a favorable space for one's practice, right? 
He did this. And not at the cost of being involved in what Prabhupada really wanted us to be involved in. And Puja Patrita Marsh, by, by extension, relief work. Prabhupada was outreach. Puja Patrita Marsh was re- relief work or fortifying those who, by the outreach, had come in and were looking at the back door or out the window or something like that. Um, so uh, he, he, at the same time, what I'm saying is he, he maintained an active life in terms of trying to fulfill the what he thought would be the, the, the expectations of Prabhupada and um, Pujapatrita Mars as well to continue the uh, effort to share, if you will, the teachings of Chaitanya uh, uh, Mahaprabhu to be an active participant in the dispensation of the good tidings of Gore and Atinanda. Um, now, Dalal was an interesting person in, in many respects, a very colorful person. One of the things about him that, that comes to mind is that um, he, was, he was not a fan of health food. Hmm? This may sound a little odd or a little curious, but um, he was one of the things about, uh, I think, New Vrindavan that was good is that it really gave a strong impression for the power of Mahaprasadam. Hmm? There were a lot of quote unquote prashadam devotees there who would make their testimony that I the only reason I'm a devotee is because of Mahaprasadam. Mm-hmm. It was a it was a fairly um common in ISKCON <laughs> idea. We were introduced to this this uh, the, the sacred remnants and so forth and they were good. Um so uh, he was quite a fan of that and um you know, and that meant well, kachoris and halava and uh, puris and so forth. And he used to say that um, I like halava plain, not cardamom halava or saffron halava, you know, or uh, blueberry halava. I want halava plain so that I can be sure and taste all the butter. Hmm? His idea was bread was a place on which to put butter, <laughs> he told me. <laughs> so he was... <laughs> now, I don't think that that was perhaps the best um, uh, course to take in terms of his health. So uh, there's probably a way, you know, that you can harmonize both, right, <laughs> and and so forth. But it was a beautiful kind of a uh, faith and uh, perspective, if you will, that 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 he had, and uh, I appreciated it. At the same time, his health was not that good. Hmm. And um, he was not uh, that uh, kind of person who would at- who would attend to his health. Hmm? Now, someone, some may have f- faulted him for that, or some in the end here of his um, manifest presence amongst us, he um, did not uh, struggle, if you will, to counteract impending death or circumstances that uh, could be read hmm, uh, as to say that Mr. Death is, you know, is knocking on your door. Hmm. Um, he had, so he had kind of a, well, um, this is what it is. You know, it's only going to last so long and uh, use it for the r- in the right way and um, and um, and while his lack, if you will, of care for his health, which which to me was evident, and I think Bhakti Rasa will, su- will support me on that, um, uh, there was there, there seems to have been a positive to this because the way he looked at it was was from with some kind of Krishna conscious color about it all. Hmm? And I think in in the end, this really carried him in a, in a significant sense. Um, his he would tell me that his health was deteriorating. I used to like to go on a walk and talk, and 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 he could couldn't keep up on a walk. And I didn't it didn't really register with me that much. I thought you know he's only my age, you know, seventy. So now seventy three, he would have been this year. It didn't register with me that much that 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 
he was close to death. But as I think back, and especially when I think back to the last time I visited, which was only about three or four months ago, hmm, he was speaking about um, leaving the world, setting things up for his wife, making arrangements, and and so forth. At that time, his wife had gone on a diet herself and a health kind of binge and and wouldn't buy other things, so he was forced to, <laughs> to go along with it. And he looked healthier than I had seen him. He had lost weight and so forth. And, and he was talking, I, I must have been three, four, five times, he, he spoke like this, as if he had some sense that he was going to pass from the world and it wasn't far away. And I have to say, honestly, I didn't, I didn't think, think that that was probably accurate. It didn't seem... Of course, I wasn't privy to all of his health issues. I knew that he had high blood pressure and a couple of things that happened when I was there over the years visiting and so forth. And, but um, he really had a strong sense about it, and he was resigned to it happening. Hmm? He was not um, of the persuasion to extend his life by any number of medical efforts, but rather to accept the inevitable um, and do it in Krishna consciousness. Mm-hmm. He intimated to his good wife, uh, Bhakti Rasa, who's also my disciple, um, that um, that he researched for a for sufficient um, precedent in the Bhagavatam and other texts for what he felt was the course that he should take, as he intuited more and more that that his health was deteriorating at a rate that he would pass in in short term. Hmm? I mean, he was he was like months ahead of time, thinking this and planning it out, so to speak, going over it in, in, in his mind, it would seem. And he drew upon the inspiration of Parikshit Maharaj, who was cursed to die, and could have, the teaching is, obviously with his Vaishnava power, hmm? Um, done away with the curse that he would die in seven days, but instead accepted it, went to the bank of the Ganges, and the result was Sukadeva appeared on the scene and we have Srimad Bhagavatam. Something good came from it. So he looked uh, to other precedences and he found many of them to support him. Hmm? While some others thought, as it became clear to them, that he was... uh, the likelihood of his passing when the world was 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 considerable. Go to the doctor, get this, do, do something about it. You know, they have this cure, they have that. But he was not of that um, uh, frame of mind at all. And he had prepared himself for months in advance. It's not that he knew mystically that he was going to die at a certain date, but there's some shadow of that, if you will, which is, in, which is inspiring how he dealt with it. Hmm? And... Uh, and um, and uh, just you know, in recent times, it became critical and apparent, and um, very. Uh, I was uh, notified about it. I contacted Bhakti Rasa, and started getting daily reports. And still, I was a bit in disbelief that well, you know, okay, there's a problem, but. Uh, but shortly I realized this, this is, is eminent. He's, he's going to pass from the world. And um, I reached out to a couple of devotees in the community in North Carolina who were uh, uh, involved in you know what we were had been planning to do there, which, which we're not going to do now, obviously. And those plans have changed um, um, in terms of building a community there. Uh, but um, word spread like faster than the internet, hmm? uh, near and far. Hmm? And uh, it seems like a caravan of devotees arrived at at, uh, at Dulal's and Bhakti Rasa's residence to pay tribute to him. Devotees who were students of mine, who knew him through me, who knew him, some of them before me from the area, godbrothers from out of state came, um, who knew him from previous times, from Nubrindaban and so on and so forth, and um, and I, I I think that um, uh, as it was related to me 
with um, some even videos and, and pictures and so forth that you could not have uh, passed from the world in greater Vaishnav style. Mm-hmm. Really, uh, he, without trying or making any effort on himself, just trying to get out of the way, so to speak, mm-hmm. um, many people uh, surfaced and, 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 and some of them who didn't like him that much, perhaps, but knew that he was for real. You know, we have different personalities and we can't always entirely, you know, match minds with one another, but we have something greater and deeper that's in common. And he shined in that regard enough, let's say, to um, um, when news was out and about with regard to his passing, it brought... Uh, a, a good number of devotees and Bhakti Rasa just repeatedly described it to me several days in a row of this happening of just a beautiful event the Vaishnavas are so beautiful the Vaish- she would say to me the Vaishnavas are so beautiful mm-hmm. and um, his choice at the time was to listen to my lectures of um, on Bhakti Rasa Marita Sindhu mm-hmm. um, and uh, I ta- called uh, to speak with him, um, and he could not speak, but um, I expressed my feelings for him, and he wept. Mm-hmm. This just a couple of days before passing, and um, through his body language and so forth, Bhakti Rasa related to me his uh, gratitude and his the mutual feelings he shared of affection that we had for one another, have for one another. And uh, so it was very um, endearing, emotional, and um, and before um, he, for a short period, became unconscious, he was conscious, listening to tapes, devotees were coming, he was able to acknowledge them, even get up a little bit and and and, and, and and thank them. He expressed a desire to feed the Vaishnavas. Mm-hmm. So typically, you know, we have a feast that we provide in glorification of the Vaishnavas. He has provided this feast through Bhakti Rasa that he wanted to has to go shopping and buy for all the Vaishnavas. So we've made a nice feast. <laughs> This is, again, his very... He had affinity for prasadam, <laughs> and he liked to see it distributed also widely. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've offered that here on his behalf to Daoji Gupal. We'll honor it uh, shortly. But at the point where he um, um, went unconscious for a short period of time, he was uh, surrounded by kirtan, and Bhakti Rasa seemed to know that he was leaving just at the moment that he was. They went to his ear and whispered the Hare Krishna mantra directly into his ear, and in the middle of the mantra, before she could finish, he passed away. So in the middle is Hare, so hmm, it's in the middle of Krishna and Ram. He passed away, we can say, with uh, with the grace that's found within the Maha Mantra, and he was dressed then beautifully in uh, in a Vaishnav Kirta with, you know, Hare Krishna printed all over it with a walking stick, hmm? almost ready for his next, to enter into his next next life. There at, at uh, his house, uh, they took care of, cared for uh, some of our, our cows and so forth, and he was a participant in that, uh, that type of seva as well, as Bhakti Rasa was, who was more active in that field, but he had an affinity for this ideal, hmm? kind of by osmosis, <laughs> by the, uh, a little bit uh, caught that caught it. It was a little my own enthusiasm, a little contagious. He caught that, and I was able to help him focus his his bhajan in a way that um, um, would be very very helpful, let us say, for um, such. End of life um, uh, course that he that he found himself on. So, these are a few thoughts. Um, I have. I, I hope that uh, 
the devotees listening can appreciate and remember him for the good qualities that um, he, he exhibited and um, um, and I ask everybody to show their greatest uh, sympathy and support for for Bhakti Rasa hmm? at this time she is a very uh, 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 capable and sincere devotee with an appetite uh, for service so we try to uh, help her to uh, find her way into the next chapter of her life. And uh, this was a big concern for Dulal Chandra. He shared with me. In the end, I told him, among other things, when I did speak with him, although he couldn't reply, I said, don't, don't worry about Bhakti Rasa. I will take care of her. So, <laughs> I means all of you, too. Right? So, this is what we do for, for, for Dulal Chandra now. Vajanda Prabhu ki jai, Vaishnava Vrinda ki jai, Gaur Bhakta Vrinda ki jai, Gaur Premanande, Hari Hari Bo. Vanchakalpa Tarubhyas cha, Kripa Sindhuvyeva cha, Patitanam Bhavanibhyo, Vaishnava Vibhanamonamaha, Ananda Koti, Vaishnava Vrinda ki jai. The devotees wanted you to see Vajanda's feast. It's the five different types of foodstuffs, which is cream, ghee, milk, sugar, Butter. Is that all? Cream, milk, milk, ghee, butter, and sugar. And more sugar. Kijai. Mahaprasad Kijai. Go with Premanandi. Hari Hari Bo. Shukumach Kijai.